0: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 644, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Boy, pick of the week episode 644 i'm josh flanagan i'm here with connor Kilpatrick. wow are you in a rush do you got a date is that fast usually i'm the one everyone complains about talking too fast i was going for confidence i see but instead <laughs> and clarity actually i find that if i willingly slow myself down i don't stumble over the words and that's what i was trying to do but clearly i failed you're going for it. let me get out of here as quickly as possible i want to get to the fun part there's a I lot get, of fun I parts get in it. front of us I get it. Are you, are you done, sir? Yeah, I've got no more criticisms. <laughs> I doubt that. <laughs> we are on Fanboy, and every week we silently judge each other mm-hmm. and read our stack of comics. It's also some judgment involved there. One of us picks their favorite book of the week again, uh, and we'll call that the pick of the week. We'll talk about that book, other books from the week, uh, the patron pick. Uh, maybe if we have time, we'll read some listener mail or discuss other goings on. Uh, Should that be the case It is is a good old time And I really cannot wait to get to it I I look forward to this part Your spoiler warning is that if you have not read your books This is a review show, we're going to be talking about the books And it would be a stupid, dumb show (laughs) If we couldn't say what happened in any of them Except sometimes when we judge that as we're going You just have to deal with that So there's your warning Connor, you had the pick of the week Which came as quite a surprise to me when that email came in Because I thought, sure, I had the pick Even though I just had it
1: (laughs) Someone mentioned Either in the Patreon page discussion or the uh, Patreon Facebook discussion, I think it was the Facebook discussion, that we've discussed every single issue that Brian Michael Bennis has written of Superman so far on the show. Someone has a crush. And we're not going to break that streak because Action Comics 1001 is the pick of the week. Brian Michael Bennis, Patrick Gleason on art, and this is the first issue of the Action Comics run we had Superman, was it
0: last week? Uh, I can't yes. even remember things anymore. No, like yes. No, it was the week before. It's two weeks ago because it was the show that you did with Ryan. Okay. Which, by the way, great show. Thank you. Sorry.
1: So here we have, and there doesn't necessarily have to be a difference in story type or storytelling between action and Superman, but here this issue is based mostly on all around the fires, the mysterious fires that have been set in Metropolis, that at the end of the last... I don't even know when these things happened between Superman, Action Comics, and Man of Steel. But at some point, a little kid told Hot Fire Chief that Superman was the arsonist, and that was the big cliffhanger. And so mm. he's been dealing with that fallout in this issue. Spending a lot of time investigating the fires, people are like, why are you investigating fires? It's beneath you. And then there's some shenanigans at the paper, in which Clark's co-workers are very rude to him. The millennials. And then we find... God damn them! And then we find out the people behind the fire and and the people framing Superman for it, and as well as a mysterious cliffhanger, which we'll get to at the end. I love this issue. This was my one of my favorite issues so far. I love the personality that Bendis has given Superman. I thought the Patrick Gleeson art was terrific. There was even times where it didn't even look like Patrick Gleeson. I had to go back to see if there was other inkers on it, but there were. I,
0: I did that too, and I want to discuss that. But go on, and we'll come back around to it.
1: There was a funny joke in the middle about bald villains that included Dan DiDio and, Brian and Ben Bendis, ben and Bendis himself. Form. I just love this world right now, and I think that Bendis has brought a, a spark, a personality to Superman that's been missing for a little while. Even though we liked Juergens' run a lot, it was, it was your classic Superman. Yeah. This is a bit more of a modern, without being completely out of the realm, Superman.
0: Well, I mean, I think that if you if you th- read back any of our statements for pretty much the entire time we've been doing this show, you and I, mm-hmm. we've been sort of waiting for Superman to have his moment. There were blips here and there, and there are things that are enjoyable. Superman had a beard for a bit. That was fun. Yep. But it wasn't a next phase of Superman, a development by a, you know, sort of a top tier guy, you know, with, with all the command of his, his strength, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's what we're getting here. And it's interesting because there really was the question like, is Bendis, does he actually have the ability to do this? And in, in doing so, is he just going to turn Superman into a Bendis book? And I think it's pretty clear he's developing, but it's, it's a Superman book, not a Bendis book, if that makes sense.
1: No, it, it does. It's not, as we've, we've joked before, it's not turn to 11, Bendis. It's – yeah. he's moderated his Marvel style a bit. and I say Marvel style, it's just his style. But, it, you know, he, he, he's been with Marvel for 20 years.
0: Yeah, he's he, moderated he just, that style a bit. Yeah, he doesn't ha- – Clark has not once made a Yiddish joke. The night is young. Culturally, it would probably make more sense than, say, Miles Morales or even Peter Parker, given – the background of the Superman character. Oh, for sure. And I think. Anyway.
1: Yeah, um, Peter Parker being Irish. You know, he's not like snapping jokes off, but he's got a bit, you know, he quips a little there's,
0: bit. There's some verb. 100%. If you look at the page, there's actually quite a bit of dialogue. Mm-hmm. And I, I and mean, this is one of Bendis' strengths, this is a strength of good dialogue, but I didn't feel like that when I read it. I didn't turn the page and go, oh, look at all these words. Because there are people where you turn a page and, and it's off putting. That's Bendis' gift to a certain extent. But there's times in even other Bendis books where you're like, okay, that's too much. But I don't think I noticed until just now that I'm flipping through it, like how much is being said in so many of these scenes. His dialogue is
1: snappy. There's a rhythm to it that moves quickly. As I've always said, it always depends on the quality of the words, not the number. Yeah. And he's got good words. He's got the best words.
0: A lot of people are saying it.
1: (laughs) So here we find out the little kid was actually bribed to lie about Superman being the arsonist, which I feel like... That's a rough choice the kid made to accuse Superman of arson. Superman clearly doesn't have the hold on the kids that he thought he did. Yeah. Uh, And and some mysterious group is behind it. A mysterious group of, I guess, crime lords. And I did like that they were meeting inside a giant lead tank. That was (laughs) a nice touch.
0: I, I don't understand how that was supposed to stop him from hearing, though.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I always thought it was just his. I just yeah, I did catch that, but I didn't. I always thought it was just his vision that couldn't see through lead. I didn't know that he couldn't hear through it. That's fine. Yeah, I'm not. Listen, you got a
0: Superman who blows up a solar flare. Who knows? There's one of those things where they expanded his powers to the point where you know he could hear everything happening on Earth and process it, and so that's sort of a that's a problem for the writer. So this is fine. I'm fine with him not being able to hear through lead.
1: I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but whatever.
0: None of it makes sense.
1: (laughs) So as we mentioned. And the office, some problems, Lois is gone, no one knows why, they can't know that she's out with Jarrell. so everyone assumes that he's been dumped for Superman, and his new millennial gossip columnist is really pressing him for the story, really being rude to the senior reporter on staff. The other reporter, she's got her eye on something, she's not buying what's happening with Clark, so he's got trouble on a lot of fronts. As
0: well as the cliffhanger. Isn't that that character from Powers? I can't think of her name. There's a cop who came on later after Dina was gone. Oh, I see. I left with Dina. I never read it after that. Yeah. Okay. This is a character. Something Enki Sunrise, I think maybe is her name. Very similar to this character actually. Now that I'm looking at it. Let's talk about Patrick Gleason to a certain yes for a little bit. Yeah. I did the same thing. I went, "Who is this?" Because it it's a different Patrick Gleason than was on the Superman book previously. He's in there, but like.
1: Yeah. Page, I'm looking at page 12 on your digital reader of the close up of Superman's face, and I thought, whoa, who is like, is there a different inker? Because that's it, not, he's a different colorist. But that's not how he normally draws faces. So I went back to look, and it, it's not. He inked himself. So I think he's, he's maybe I think trying he something it, out.
0: I, I think he changed his style up because it was more of a cartoony kind of style before. It was yeah. like a little less realistic. Um, and he's, he's just amped up the realism, the, the sort of f- photo. You know, not really photo-like in that sense, but it's just a little more anchored in reality here. He's using sort of more lines and less of that cartoon style, and I think the coloring is different uh, than it was on the last book. It's not bad or worse or better; it's just different, which I think is is a testament to sort of what a colorist can bring to things. Mm-hmm. But it's a really significant pivot for a guy who's been drawing Superman for a really long time. It's interesting is he was writing Superman before, too, and now he's scaled back that, so maybe he can put more time into it.
1: Maybe. I like it. I thought it looked really good.
0: Yeah. I would think that, you know, to go along with sort of this, you know, basically relaunching of, of this major character, you know, you'd, you'd put, like, a A-list artist on it or something like that and um no offense to patrick gleason it's just you know he's not it's not like a jim lee level or anything like that in terms of popularity Um, Mm -hmm. but i think that this actually works because he's a good storyteller and he knows all the characters and he can just hit the ground running completely
1: yeah i think the the book looks terrific it's a really fun book i love the opening bit with the the robber who can't help but shoot at superman even though he knows it's not working Mm -hmm. and then throws his gun at him like it just that was a funny bit so let's talk about the cliffhanger. Not so much uh, That's not really a cliffhanger. It's more like a reveal. Uh, we hear the, the sound of tapping over the uh, shot of Metropolis. And then we zoom in on a build, a high-rise building, an off, a bedroom office. That, that bed is so big. One, two, three, four, six pillows across.
0: They're tiny pillows. Still. I have six pillows on my bed. Across? No, two of them are huge king size pillows that are immediately thrown on the floor. Every I, have night. Well. I, I have those I as well. I have those as well. I don't know why we have them because no one goes in our room. <laughs> so there's no need for decoration. I hate them. Most of the time, I come to bed late and there's just two giant pillows where I'm supposed to be laying. <laughs> and I was like, you can't just throw them on the floor? And she said, no. And so then I have to throw them on the floor. This went too far already, didn't it? So we pull back and we see
1: someone who I assume is Lois... And a bu- she's t- typing furiously on her laptop, and there's a, a notepad next to her with a bunch of proposed titles, either of a book or of an article. So you got the secrets of Lois Lane, my secret, truth, justice, and the Kryptonian something married and alien from outer space. Kryptonian way. Oh, that's right. Who is this person? Is it Lois? We thought Lois was in space with Jonathan and jo- and Evil
0: Jarell. Is it the uh, is it the other Lois? Is there two Loises? Well, remember. This Superman is not the Superman of this Earth. They were merged into one. Says you. I don't know, man.
1: It was all merged into one. I don't know what this is. So we'll see. But I thought this was great. I think the future of Superman is bright. We've enjoyed it, clearly. We've talked about every issue.
0: I think what I like that Bendis has done that a lot of other people haven't as well is I think that by shifting the pieces around, he's changed what the conflict is. Mm Mm-hmm and he's putting he's put superman on shakier ground as to what the right thing for him to do is so he, you know he got so confident and he was so able to handle everything it's not just insecurity about like that that, la- that last couple of arcs was great because it was all about being a father and and bendis has taken that out of it to a certain extent for now which is a good move and you know maybe john and jorel get blown up in space I don't know. I enjoyed the story when it happened, but this doesn't need to be forever. His emotional
1: um, bedrocks are gone. His family's gone. Yeah. His his job is not what it used to be. And also he's not like being treated well at the paper. Yeah. So all he's got is saving
0: the day and the hot fireman. But I like she yeah. I really like that if I mean I like the idea that you think about it, everybody doesn't everybody doesn't hate their jobs, but it's not an uncommon thing to be like, oh, his job. And Superman does it as a, a hobby, basically, to make him and, – and what what if that turns on you? What if he doesn't like going to the office anymore? That's interesting.
1: We could go back to the 70s where he was a, a news anchor. He wasn't working at the paper.
0: Oh. <laughs> so let's talk about
1: the other book that was up there for Pick the Week, X-Men Grand Design, Second Genesis, number one. This is the second part of Ed Piscore's epic – history of the x-men and i feel sad that these have come out since ron has left i don't even know how to properly criticize these books because they're crazy there's so much work involved he basically goes through the entire history of the x-men and then you go back and you read the bibliography in the end and you're just like i i don't even it's just impressive i mean
0: ed's kind of a monster yeah i think that he's a he's a machine made for making comics. You know, and he's got all the stuff and he, he and he goes for it. And he obviously he has a reverence for sort of all of these eras of comics. It's, you know, there is a time and a place and, and a certain man. This
1: issue covers the period of time from Giant Size Exo number one, in which the original team goes by the wayside and the new team with Colossus and Storm and Wolverine and Nightcrawler appears. And it goes through the Dark Phoenix saga, or the 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 beginning of that. I, I don't know. It goes up to the the
0: Hellfire Club. Oh yeah, they don't go into Shi'ar. Well, they go to yeah, space. They yeah, they go to space.
1: Yeah. That's all there. This is crazy. I got I've I've read some of these this, this era, but not a uh-huh. not a lot of it and. It's nuts. I can see why people really became like lunatic X-Men fans like like our oh, yeah. co-hosted. I mean I I kept going, What? And then they're going to space? And then they I all mean, they, and then they all die, the universe dies, and Gene Gray remakes the entire universe. It takes over four billion years. Hmm. Like that that blew
0: my mind. So what's interesting is that the Dark Phoenix saga is one of the first comic books I ever read. Mm-hmm. Like, when I first went to the comic shop in Brunswick, Maine, and bought a couple of things, I bought Death in the Family, I started on Wolverine and Amazing Spider-Man, and I bought Dark Phoenix Saga. Mm-hmm. And that's because there were only, like, four trades available. Sure. And that was one of them. And so I got that feeling of, this is nuts, really early.
1: hmm
0: You know, and, and like, I have, a, I have a soft spot in my heart for that whole story, but it's never been my favorite thing. Like, I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And it's still, you know, like, this book is impressive and everything, but, like, at the end of the day, you know, I kind of don't care still.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. But it's interesting, like, as an exercise, really, more than anything else. And also, if you want to get caught up on the X-Men, probably isn't a better way. That's what I was thinking, too. It's like, when this is all over, you
1: can basically hand this series to someone and be like, if you read this, you will know everything you need to know about the X-Men.
0: Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah.
1: And it's also done in Ed's style, which
0: is unlike anything else. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot easier to do that than to just be friends with Ron for 25 years. <laughs> and, just, and just have him talk at you. It's way easier than that. I really can't express <laughs> how much simpler it is to read these two books <laughs> <laughs> than sustain a multi-decade relationship with
1: that man. So I, I liked it. I was impressed by it. If it had been Pickett, it would have been just for the pure respect of the yeah. project. Doomsday Clock number six. This was a surprise. Today came out. So
0: you, it always is. Have you stopped reading this? No, no, I read it. I can't. I can't not read it.
1: I don't know what to make of this book.
0: Isn't this what we said last time? It's Maybe every in the same time. Place.
1: But we're now we're halfway through. It's six of twelve, and like, I feel like Dr. Ian Malcolm going. At some point, are we going to have Doctor Manhattan and Superman in the? Doomsday Clock book? Like, the whole point of this was teased as Superman versus Dr. Manhattan, and then the whole, the other other underlying subtext was, you know, Dr. Manhattan fucked up the DC universe, and that has not been dealt
0: with at all. So here's the key difference between you and me. You have an expectation. Mm Mm-hmm. Because of whatever you've seen or read or thought or whatever. I didn't see any of that or notice. So, like, I I don't know what to make of this because I don't just don't know what it is. I don't know what the point of it is. But to me, in a certain way, that is kind of the exciting thing. I have no goal with it. Well, that's the other thing is is it is –
1: I don't know the point of this story either. I mean, we seem to be spending a lot of time with these two new characters.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we would not seem to. We are. They're clearly the two main characters of this book right now, Marionette and the mime. Yeah. And it's set in the future of the DCU. It's set sometime post what we're reading right now in the other books. Gary Frank is drawing everyone to look like their classic selves, which is throwing everything out of whack. It's a good Joker. It's a great Joker. It's a great Riddler. Yeah. Yeah. At, I mean, Two-Face, everyone. Look at Captain Cold's really little, little, little furry jacket. I mean, everything looks great.
0: Have you ever seen Gary Frank in person? I can't think of ever having seen him at a con.
1: I interviewed him on the phone once. Really? Yeah. Huh. Back for Batman Earth One, but I did that's not know it. That. Yeah, I do it's, it's
0: on our website. You can find it on there. Listen, we've done hundreds <laughs> of shows.
1: <laughs> no, it was on a. It was a. It was a written interview. It was on the. Website. Okay. I mean, I I did it in person and then I wrote it up. Anyway, I mean, I'm enjoying this because. I don't, I mean, it's, Jeff Johns doing a terrific job, and Gary Frank is incomparable, but, like,
0: I don't. He's comparable to one person. He's comparable to Brian Bolland. That's true. He's, there's a ton of Brian Bolland in this, and I was like, look how lucky we are. We get a second Brian Bolland.
1: <laughs> I just don't know what the hell's going on here. I'm fine with that. It's just, I find it fascinating. I'm, 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 I'm over it. I think. Like, whatever.
0: The, you know, the other thing in the background is it's Jeff Johns's turn to do a thing and he's very good at that
1: it's just the question is what is the point are they merging these universes i mean clearly they
0: are sort of but it takes place in the future i would think of the marketing as probably somewhat red herrings
1: that's what i think we'll get to this again when we talk about the flash so let's talk about the amazing spider-man number two dick spencer ryan otley cliff wraithburn laura martin you didn't get to talk about number one because you were on the show
0: I listened to it, Pick and I read head. it.
1: What are your thoughts on Spider-Man?
0: It's pretty good. I, I mean, I echoed a lot of what you guys said. I think the tone is pretty good. It's balanced pretty well between having sort of an adult Peter Parker, but still sort of feeling out of place. It's not blowing me away, but it feels right, and it's fun to be reading a Spider-Man book. I didn't realize this was a every-two-weeker. It can't be forever, or it's going to be somebody
1: else. That's what my question would be. So, I mean, you bring on a guy like Ryan Otley, and and you have him with Nick Spencer. You don't want to have like a ton of fill-in artists. You want those guys to do a run. And so, why would you do it every two weeks? I get why. Because that's what they do now. That's it. Just doesn't standard. make any sense, I mean, especially when you you make such a big deal bringing Ryan Otley over from Invincible, and
0: you know what I think is interesting. And and you know, forgive me. I, the solicits are probably already out there, but. You know, like they made it. they, they kind of didn't say Ryan Otley trading off arcs with so-and-so right. like they down you, know, you were they, that I feel like that was definitely downplayed. But I'm, I mean, we're used to it on all the books. I know it's just a bummer with this high profile guy.
1: is not going to just get his run, but whatever. That's comics these days.
0: That's over, though, for the most part. I was happy to see Taskmaster. Always happy to see Taskmaster. Yeah, that's true. I enjoyed the scenes with Taskmaster. And when did Scott O'Grady become a bad guy? Is that him? Yeah, at one point he he says, he calls him O'Grady before he punches him, and I was like, oh, that's the Ant-Man that. It's not Scott Lang. No, no, the bl- whatever this the Black Ant, is O'Grady, which was the one that uh, Robert Kirkman created. Oh. Um, and I think that, I think Nick Spencer wrote him at some point.
1: Wasn't he in Superior Foes of Spider-Man, or was he in no.
0: the, the Ant-Man book? Boomerang, the their roommate. Which is brilliant, by the way. <laughs> really, really brilliant. Is not is not in this book. Yeah, I, I guess I guess O'Grady is now a supervillain, but I don't know when that happened.
1: You know, we get the resolution to last week's cliffhanger or two weeks ago, which is that Peter is and has to go back to school, and his professor is the Lizard, who is being regulated by a little chip in his neck, so he doesn't go all lizardy and eat everybody. This is a way of sort of de-aging Peter without de-aging him is that now he's back in school. And of course, in the middle of all that, Taskmaster and this other dude show up and he's got to save the day without revealing his identity, which is a classic Spider-Man thing. And then, of course, the cliffhanger is there's a Peter Parker that's not Peter Parker. So we'll figure, that'll be revealed, I guess, next two weeks. Well, we've done that before. <laughs> it this looks gorgeous. Yeah. I mean... Ryan Otley drew the hell out of Invincible, as we all know, but man, he is a good Spider-Man artist.
0: Yeah, he really is the right man for the job. There's no doubt about that. It's fun. It looks good.
1: I like Nick Spencer's tone for this a lot. I'm really enjoying this book.
0: Eric O'Grady was on The Secret Avengers. He was part of the Avengers Initiative. Uh, he was in an Ant-Man and Wasp book, and then he was killed on a mission against Father, the creator of the World Facility with The Secret Avengers. Eric is seemingly beaten to death by Father's tensions while defending a child's life. He later appears to be alive, but is revealed to be a life model decoy working for Father. What's well, life model decoy? In part of all new, all different Marvel. Wait. He appears to be alive, but is really a life model decoy with a new name of Black Ant. The Black Ant is ultimately defeated alongside the other descendants. That sounds very confusing, but it seems like... So this is a life model decoy? And then as part of the all new all-different Marvel, Black Ant appears as a member of the Hood's Illuminati, and during the Secret Empire storyline, Black Ant is one of Hydra's Avengers. So he's a bad guy. I guess, but it doesn't really... The century number two! Yeah! This had a very good cliffhanger. Okay. Final page, which I should have seen coming, but I didn't, and I was surprised by it. I think I liked this more than the first issue. I think it sort of revealed itself to be what it was. What is it? The the way it's always been is that Bob Jenkins, the Sentry, mm-hmm. is always this sad sack who's always constantly being defeated by everything and is scared of everything, and it's not very much fun to watch that. Mm-hmm. And in this, he sort of he sort of shows a little <laughs> backbone, you know. Mm-hmm. And he 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 he's basically being put inside this huge underground cement vault that's you know six miles underground because he, somebody stole his machine that would make him go in there, that he can hold back the sentry, because if he becomes a sentry, then the void will come, blah, 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 blah. And Tony Stark's like, I'm sorry it had to go this way. And then, you know, he basically is like, I, I got to do this. And he's like, I'm not asking. And he turns into the sentry, you know, and then goes to take care of business. And then you you find out, I kind of don't want to give it away, because sure. I want people to be reading it. But if you are reading it, you find out who took the machine and why, and it's, a, it's sort of an unexpected nice twist, I think. Uh, on the It's sort of a, a Marvel family kind of thing, actually, is what, what this is. Was it Rogue? It wasn't Rogue, Sugar. Rogue was the one that he slept with, right? Oh, uh, At the, at the, I don't fu- remember. the, the funeral? Uh, yeah, 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 <laughs> at the funeral, right, I remember that. <sighs> I also really, really like this artist. Kim Jacinto? It's two artists. It says Kim Jacinto and Joshua Casare. It doesn't say who does what. I don't know if it's, like breakdowns and an inker or or finishes or whatever but it's a really cool style this doesn't look like something you would necessarily find on a marvel book and i i just i like the action of all of it i like the faces i like i like the acting i think it's a really strong art and i don't know who this person is so it's cool
1: i like your internal struggle about this book i want to give it a chance i get it i don't know why i'm enjoying it
0: yeah because it, really. it goes
1: back to your very beginning as a modern comic fan. Yeah. And you want to you figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think about it. I don't want
0: to miss a thing that I write off uh, just because <laughs> sure. that it might be really good. Most of the time, I'm wrong about that. Most of the time, like, you can write stuff off. It's easy.
1: Why don't you sit there and hum Aerosmith yourself while I tell people how to help the show? If you that like listening to fanboy. And you want to help keep the show going, you want to be part of the fun and the family, go to patreon.com slash ifanway. That's the best and direct way you can help the show. Patrons get all kind of benefits. They get to vote on a patron pick. They get patron superpowers. So they give it a certain level. They get to be involved in the patron hangout, which we had this past week and I thought was one of our best ones we ever did. They get all kinds of fun things, plus the Facebook group, all kinds of discussions going on there. They have They do polls every Wednesday on their favorite topics. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. And our next stretch goal, of course, is the Non-Comics Media Podcast Monthly, which Josh and I will do for you if if you unlock it. T-shirt store, iFanboy.threadless.com. That's where you find our seven shirts. iFanboy logo, her, and Pick of the Week podcast ratings. If one is Electro, GDAT, Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters. We haven't talked about a new design yet, simply because I think Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters has been such a popular shirt. It's flying off the shelves still that uh, we should probably talk about a new design for this the end of this year. But right now, you guys are... Going crazy with that one does the shirt design, so we're just gonna let you keep doing that. Ifanway.com slash support, that's where you can help the show via PayPal directly if you don't want to be a patron or buy a t shirt, which is totally understandable. Also fanway.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to buy the books on books shows, and also you can find a general Amazon link there as well. And thank you to everyone who supports the show in these various ways It keeps us going, and we do love you. Each and every one of you. Well. Platonically. Sure. The Flash fifty one guest art by Scott Collins, who is a seminal
0: guest? I mean, like, the two artists seem to be Howard Porter and Scott Collins. Are they? It's I thought the this band. was Scott
1: Collins because it was, a very, it was like a very Wally issue, and he's the seminal Wally. He's old. done it.
0: I was actually going to say, like, if you've got to have two artists who switch off on a book, Scott Collins and Howard Porter works for me on this totally. book. So,
1: a couple of thoughts. Number one, I really loved how Scott Collins took the character sheet for Batman through right out the window and <laughs> said, I'm going to draw him however the fuck I want, looking as weird as I want him to look. very strange-looking Batman. (laughs) He kind of has the right logo on his chest, but everything else is from some sort of fever dream nightmare that Scott Collins must have had. It's a weird cow. Maybe he picked up an issue of metal and got confused. Yeah. So this is the fallout from the Flash War, and there was a couple of references this week to the upcoming Tom King story, Heroes in Crisis. And So here they take Wally off to Sanctuary, which ominous thing to do but
0: yeah i don't know what that is is that started
1: no it hasn't started yet
0: okay i didn't think so
1: no it starts it says it here it's in stores 926
0: all right so that's that's quite a ways
1: from now yes it is
0: so they they just wrote this dude off they sent john into space they got rid of wally just yeah they're cleaning up continuity in the mean way so
1: how did you feel about this at the end of it because you don't like when heroes fight and this is about them in conflict
0: I mean, they kind of made up, and then he agreed to be taken away by Superman and Wonder <laughs> Woman somewhere. I don't know. Like I, The problem with this story to me is that it has no good conclusion. Right. If Wally's problem is that he wants to get his kids back, there's no solution for that other than giving him his kids back. But right. as a reader of this book, don't give him his fucking kids back. Right. And so the character is then effectively broken unless they just stop bringing it up. And that's
1: been my issue, and that's why I'm so focused on Doomsday Clock, is that if they keep bringing these things up, you have to resolve them. And the only way to resolve them is to tinker with the continuity again. Mm -hmm. And so my whole thing is, okay, if you're not going to tinker with it, fine, just stop bringing it up.
0: But they keep bringing it up, so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's keeping keeping your attention. Really, that's their only job. It's not to solve the problem. It's to keep you reading. I get it. It's just going to give me an aneurysm. I don't want the kids to come back. No one does. There's really Literally no one. one. Yeah. Wally doesn't if he really had a chance to think about it. <laughs> he can raise Bart. It's the worst thing that Mark Wade ever did.
1: It was. Yep. Justice League Dark. You're all on your own here. Justice League Dark, number one. So coming out of that no justice miniseries, we got Justice League by Scott Snyder. And now we have Justice League Dark, the return of that series. James Tiny in the fourth with Alvaro Martinez Bueno on art. Bueno. This was okay.
0: I just, I always, I think of what the call must have been like. James, it's Dan. Oh, hey, Dan, what's going on? Listen, what we want to do is offer you Justice League. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Dark. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's a good grouping of characters. you got Wonder Woman's leading
1: the team with Swamp Thing and Zatanna and Detective Chimp. And I guess Dr. Fate will come in and man-bat. They're fun. The one thing that made me raise my eyebrow was there was an appearance by Constantine where basically he's not joining the team. He's wearing a black suit. I didn't think Constantine was allowed to wear black suits.
0: I think, well, yeah. He kind of will have like black. Yeah, that's not really a thing. But he didn't he wear it like, he, I don't know, I never not watch the well, TV show. No, he wore, he wore one in the movie. That's true, he did. Black suit, no tie, no jacket. Oh, you need a tie.
1: I was like, "Is that Constantine's?" I guess, but I mean, weird. But anyway, kind
0: of what he wears. It he does wears look like, like wears a
1: lot. There you go. It's not the hair, but the suit. Yeah, that is not so precedent, I guess. So it was fine. Yeah, it was fine. It was good. I, I like the characters. You're gonna keep reading it. I'm gonna keep reading it. Listen, I, I know, I know, I know all the things you're gonna say. And I, I wasn't going to say anything. I know all the things you're thinking. I know
0: that I cannot affect your behavior in any way. <laughs> yes, you can. You give me to read new books all the time. I can in that way, but I can't get you to stop. If you've decided that you like something where it's worth reading, there's nothing in the world that can stop you from going forward with that. And I don't really have an interest in doing that. If that's what you'd like to spend your time on, mediocre comics with characters you kind of <laughs> like. Go for it. Moon Knight 197 is turned into a weird little indie corner of the Marvel Universe. This is an issue of Preacher. <laughs> right. I don't know if you noticed that. It's not the best part of Preacher. The part I sort of like the least about Preacher. But in a Marvel book, I must say that it's oddness. It was compelling. Mm-hmm. Jason Burrows back for another arc on this one. Basically, it's a meeting of a bunch of very high society, rich people who are sadist, psychopath, pain addicts who like to hurt people. They're super sadists. They're like the top
1: yep. level like, these are your best sadists.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's, it's some strong sadism.
1: People are saying these are the best sadists. <laughs> <laughs> and at this dinner, for, where they all have their own chicken, which is extravagant.
0: I did think I thought, of all the stuff you're going to eat, you're going with a chicken? I know. It seems like... A roast
1: chicken? I feel <laughs> with no sides? Just, like... There's... Just chicken. Just, yep. I mean... They like to rip it apart and eat it. I guess that's part of it. So... They all tell their story of sadism and it 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 does get progressively sort of worse as we go. And the big reveal is that one of the people in the robes is Moon
0: Knight and he says I'm also a sadist. Well, he's one of the waiters. That's true. He's 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 acting to be one of the wait staff and he sits down and you know he does his thing, but to me, I enjoyed this. I this speak no, I I out what the hell's going on with this series? This is the most I've enjoyed a Moon Knight series in a long time. <laughs> It's also weird. this reference to minor threat in here, which is I don't know who they think is going to get that. But then uh, at the very end, we find that the head of the whole order is crazy Nazi uncle guy. Well, we, we knew that was coming back, so it came back rather quickly. Yeah, and I didn't see it coming, so I was like, "Oh, look at that!" And he gives him a hug, which is this, nice. This is definitely the weirdest book that Marvel's publishing. Yeah, it's kind of
1: great. <laughs> I mean, it's super weird. Hmm.
0: But it's got it's got pep. It's got personality. I like it. And whatever this version of Mark Spector is, is not ignoring the fact that he has this disassociative order, but he's not just being weird for the sake of it. It's not no. just, like, s- strange, ambiguous stuff. It, It's consistent enough so you can get into the character, mm-hmm. I think. It's good. Mm-hmm. So, I have been reading Hellblazer all along. This last Tim Seeley arc has been seemingly endless, um, but pretty good besides the fact that every time he tries to write, like, a, a Britishism... In John's, it like it just it it doesn't sound right. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've read enough British writers writing, and you know, known enough British people that like there's just things I'm like, that's not right. He's not saying that, it and that keeps happening to a lesser extent. But other than that, it's all pretty much spot on Mm -hmm. with where it needs to be character wise. And then, but there's this bit that again we just said, you know, that that last book was a preacher scene. There's a choice, and there's a choice in here that is very. Much from Garth Ennis's era of Mm -hmm. of Hellblazer, which is that basically, John's ex girlfriend, you know, like they had a nice time together, and then she's like, I've had enough of this guy. And then, because of her relation to him, you know, she gets taken over by a demon. So, the whole time, the bad guy in this is inhabiting the body of John's ex girlfriend. And in order to get that spirit out of her, John injects her with vampire blood, thereby freeing her from the spirit, but turning her into a vampire. And she's not happy about that because he screws everything up. And then then it takes an odd turn at the end where he runs into Huntress in an alley and they kiss and make out for a minute. And that's the end of the series. That's the end of the series? hmm Last one. That's well, what that's, the cover says. That's weird. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. That's weird. Final issue right there on the cover. Huh. Weird. Yeah, it's shocking that it didn't succeed by moving the exact same book over to the DC universe, gutting it completely. And I'm sorry, dude. What if we take this property that's really, really good that nobody's reading and make it worse? What if we do that? I would say no one was reading it. It was it was a, it was a, it was a popular, you know. It's a sliding scale about what's what's you know popular, but I doubt. I doubt it cracked ten thousand when it was at Vertigo. Is it all about the numbers with you, Josh? It's not up at the heart. I mean, it is for me. That last bit with uh Andy Diggle and Giuseppe Cam and Coley for a while. I forget who the final artist was, but that whole last Andy Circus run was Andy Circus. Andy Diggle <laughs> run made. <laughs> it it. They did a bad job of promoting that. But it was also it was Constantine porn. It was, you know, for people who had been reading it for ten years. Like right. it was great, but it,
1: it, pretty impenetrable. Multiple Man number two, Josh, this week, you probably didn't notice that Marvel added something new to the to the solicitation for this in the Diamond Shipping List. This is Multiple Man two of five. Oh, man. They don't like to promote the series being miniseries with the first issue because they think no one will buy them. So they wait for the second one.
0: Well, then I would like to go ahead and, and uh, voice my opinion, and it goes along with the Madroxes on the cover. <laughs> if you have the book, that's going to make sense. That's a great, great great cover by the way it is a good cover. the one madrox who's got the scared eyes <laughs> they're all giving the thumbs down marcos martin yeah this would have probably been my pick of the week interesting i really dig this book i really like this jamie madrox i really like all the the references i mean there's touchstones for me of like great comics runs in the past and that that peter david multiple man series was a big favorite of mine especially in retrospect
1: yeah i just i had a hard time keeping track of you know all the sidewinding time travel stuff, which I think is part of, love, part of I the love joke. That. It was like we have to go
0: back to go forward to save the I'm, future and the past. I'm super into time travel confusion because that should always be the case, and it should always be one dumbass in the middle who can't quite work it out. That was me. Like, I'm the dumbass. Well, you know, that's the Booster Gold thing too. Basically, it's I did like Modaki Forge. Yeah, that was very fun. Yeah. There's a lot here to like, you know, there is like pissed off, like, like a pissed off Layla Miller and mm-hmm. sort of trying to work out what this other new world is. And, and the fact that all of these different Avenger types are also Madrox's too and how it works. And I just there's a lot of stuff going on in the background and it's confusing, but not in a bad way. I enjoyed it.
1: I just was very no. hard time holding on, but that's, I really like, like it. I'm a dummy. So those are the books we're going to talk about. If you go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, as we said before, you can vote to put a book into the rundown. And we had a blowout this week, Josh. It was not even close. It was never close. It was always going to
0: be DC's Beach Blanket, Bad Guys, Summer Special number one. I mean, as soon as I saw that it was three votes to three, I was like, it's going to be that. Because they always make us read these. Every time.
1: ADP's giant. There's ten stories, each featuring a different villain or, or a couple of villains. And I will say this. I enjoyed this. Let me tell you why. It's because, as opposed to previous specials, there was a higher level of professionalism here, a higher level of creator. Even the people who were I hadn't heard of, I thought were working at a higher level than some of the previous specials
0: we've read. So this gets voted. I can see that it's leading. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to read that again. I think I don't know what the point of doing this is because I'm gonna give the same review that I've given for every one of them. I'm gonna say most of it was fine. Some of it was crappy. One or two of them were actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then I start to read it. And I, I, first of all, first story by Lieber Mayho. Mm-hmm. it's this painted style that I don't dig. Oh, and Bizarro shows up oh, crap on a bucket. <laughs> and, and then after that is just an uphill. I yeah. just, I, I, I was enjoying each story more than the last one. And you're absolutely right. That was a really good way of putting it. Like everybody who who came along brought it. It's funny and, because you're right, that, that Joker
1: Bizarro story, it was not really a short story in that it didn't have a beginning, middle, and an end. It just sort of stopped in the middle. Whereas hmm. every other story had a beginning, middle, and an end. So that was you're right. It was not a good way to start. And I like Lee Bermejo a lot, but it just Do you like him as an artist or a writer? I, I don't know, Josh. I think as an artist, I don't, I don't recall. Because he didn't draw this. I know, I know. I'm just saying, I like him as a in, in the general sense. In the, okay. Listen, he he drew the classic Robin costume. I can't hate it entirely, or he didn't draw it, but he wrote it. I don't know. I'm just saying, the first story was like, whoa, that just ended. Like that wasn't that wasn't a story. But then it got way better after that. So I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. Okay. You're right. You're right, Josh. Is that what you wanted to hear?
0: Let's just – let's go as quickly through these. Okay. I, there were, right away as I scanned the credits for names that I recognized, there were a lot of things that I was excited about yeah. right away. Yeah, I saw Paul Dini and John Paul Leon sign me up. I saw Amake Nahapuan. I said that wrong, but I remember him from SketchUp, and he'll show up every once in a while. He does great work. I saw Gabe and Karina. And I was like, great. So, yeah, let's let's quickly go through the stories. Let's Lex Luthor
1: story by Jeff Loveness and David Williams. Je- uh, Lex Luthor's car breaks down and he gets helped by a guy who loves Superman. I really liked this story a lot. I did, too. It was really terrific. Mr. Freeze by Paul Dini and Jean-Paul Leon. Gorgeous Jean-Paul Leon art. Mr. Freeze inserts himself into a Mr. Softy ice cream truck war. And I loved it.
0: It was, like, just goofy enough. It was just Paul Dini enough. Yeah. I mean, that was actually a thing where... The last time they did one of these villain ones, I think it was that Halloween one. Yeah, it was too It was just so dark. grim that I was like, yeah. this is no fun to read at all. And this whole thing was fun. Yeah. Cheetah,
1: Vida Ayala, and Amanke, you said it before. pun? Amanke
0: is terrific. Yes, he is. He has been for a long time. He should be noticed more. Why isn't he on a regular book? He's only shown up on a couple here and there. The story is fine. I didn't really love the story so much,
1: but the art was incredible. Yes. Agree. Black Manta by Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becko. This is a Black Manta story in which they're searching for treasure. As the Antarctic glaciers melt, there's ships and shit in there, and they want to get it. And I thought
0: this was good. This was fantastic. Yeah. Like, basically, there's this girl who's like, you know, I know he's supposed to be a supervillain villain undersea, but that's really not our problem. He's one of the team. He's been great here. And then basically everybody gets killed. <laughs> and he saves the girl in this one moment that you think, well, that's touching. He is going to save her. And then his thing gets ruined. He just says, I made the wrong choice. And he walks away. And I was like, that's grim. But I, I, I really liked that. I love his giant eye lasers. It's
1: a the, the, whole, the costume's ridiculous. They're going full on in the movie. Yeah, good. Giganta. Michael Morrissey and Max Rayner. Giganta goes home to her small town where she was bullied and wrecks havoc. I liked it.
0: I liked this story a lot. I yeah. think that it had the possibility of being a little stereotypical. Mm-hmm. But I think the gender swap on that story that we've read a billion times and sort of some of the sub-issues that were going on here, the, in a couple of pages, Giganta took a couple of turns. She did. And she went from hero to villain to hero to
1: villain. And then, as I assume most people would like to do, she smashes her high
0: school. Yeah, it was it was really fun. It was, it was made a lot of use of the space.
1: Gorilla Grodd by Tim Celia and Minkyu Young.
0: I like this. I did too. I felt that it was a little bit of like, how does Barry know all this?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. You know why is the thing? But it was kind of interesting. But I, I wasn't quite there. And then as I got to the last page, I liked the way that they chose to expose that Garad had actually just been affected by what Barry was saying. Mm-hmm. Mercy is far rarer than rain for me. And you're like, eh? and it was just a like a great short story.
1: Deathstroke by Shea Fontana, Carlos Danda. I thought this was one of the better ones. It was yeah. a little dark, a little grim, but it was uh, really well constructed. Deathstroke gets hired by a little girl to kill her stepfather for being abusive. We find out there's a lot more going on than that. Yep. And uh, I thought this was, this was good. The Young Penguin. This is from the TV show, I assume. Well, not necessarily. Kind of. Tired of young Penguin by Danielle Kibblesmith and Laura Braga, in which young penguin, like teenage penguin, is yep. uh, in love with a girl, and it just goes horribly wrong. It's not really from the TV show. It's just sort of a young Penguin story.
0: Okay. I liked it. I liked
1: it. Yeah, it was good. And then Crime Syndicate. I was like, whoa, is this Vertigo? The evil Justice League. Colin Kelly, Jackson Lansing, and Giuseppe Camagoli. We discussed Camagoli. He's terrific. He is. He can do anything. This was fine. I liked it. This was one of the ones where like, at least effectively a short story. But it was, it was, mm-hmm. uh, it was fun to read. These characters are fun. Owlman's yeah. cool. This one felt more like an intro to something. Then the yeah. other ones felt like a short story.
0: It's like a promise of a thing that could be. I really like that they, I haven't read a ton of this, or I haven't read in a while, but I don't like that Al Jordan is the lackey. <laughs> He's or got no Harold's. confidence. He's the opposite of Hal Jordan. He just has the ring, and that's all that anyone cares about. And he wanted a da- all he wanted was a daiquiri. <laughs> DC's Beach Blanket, Bad Guy, Summer Special, number one. Ratings? Four and a half. Wow, four and a half. I'm going to go four. I didn't expect anything. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, even the part, I, you know, like, I didn't love that first story, but the craft was there, you yep. know. <laughs> yeah. but, but overall, a really high hit rate for a story like this, and probably the best of these uh, anthologies that I've read in quite a while. I'm glad
1: they picked it, because I wasn't going to read it.
0: Yep, me too. We would have missed
1: out if we hadn't. So thank you, patrons. So, as I said before, patreon.com slash Way to help us out. If you give it the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower on the show, we give them out as Thanks. And we'll start with Graham Bird. <laughs> and I thought of this power before I saw his name. So you know how like Spider-Man has proportional strength of a spider. Mm-hmm. Graham has the proportional jumping ability of a bullfrog. It's pretty good. So he can leap. Whatever that mm-hmm. proportionality was,
0: but he has to do it on all fours. Gonna split out of pants like that. Yes. He can jump. He can leap. Okay. Good stuff. Dylan Carter mm-hmm.
1: is a human air conditioner. I think we've said this before, but that's okay because the world needs it.
0: Yeah, if there's two of them running around. Have we said this before?
1: There's been people who have, like, air-conditioned bubbles around them or people who
0: No, have... no, it's not that. Basically, what what he inhales <laughs> the warm, humid air, he exhales cool, dehumidified air all the time. It's not like he's... Emitting
1: it from his body, he's just constantly exhaling it.
0: Yeah, but he's but he's all the air that he takes in, he's replacing with cool air at a a delightful sixty-eight degrees. Then, if the room actually hits sixty-eight degrees, uh, then he he just he turns off (laughs) that part. (laughs) So his his chest area is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Although if it breaks down, it costs an arm and a leg to fix.
1: Well, he don't want his filter to get backed up. Yeah, that's true.
0: (laughs) Matt Kelly. Matt Kelly,
1: whenever he turns on the shower, no matter where he is, in a hotel, somebody's old house, uh, it's always at the perfect temperature. He doesn't doesn't, doesn't spend an hour fiddling with the knobs, burning his arm, freezing his arm. Nope.
0: He just turns it on and it's perfect. So I can see what we're obsessed with now. (laughs) I I feel like I stepped on your toes there. No, no, it's fine. But I didn't know what you were going to do. It's cool. So it's fine. Yeah. Derek Wilchinski's son, Zach, so I assume that's Zach Wilchinski, age ten, mm-hmm. is going to be possibly our youngest ever recipient of a power. That's true. He can turn anything into a motorcycle. Anything. Yeah, if he's somewhere and he has to he needs he needs to get somewhere else, he can he can Okay, so I'm looking
1: anything. I'm looking at my couch right now. Yeah. What, he we'll turn what, that into a motorcycle. So he he touches it and wheels come out and uh huh, and uh-huh. A, and uh handlebars. Yep.
0: Yeah, handles. Now, does it turn into a motorcycle, or does the ca- it become like a couch cycle? It turns into a, a motorcycle, but it can be any motorcycle of his imagining. Oh, I see. So it's
1: not like it it's depends. not just like wheels pop out and he can drive the couch. It's the couch turns I, into a motorcycle.
0: I mean, it might have some aspects of the couch left over. Maybe like the seat is the fabric or something I like see. that. I see. I see. He's transmuting matter into motorcycle matter. He's like that character
1: Overdrive a little bit, uh huh. But, but Motorcycle Drive.
0: Yeah, but Zach is just all about motorcycles, and he's driving them all over the place. Um, and what's great is that because he's a kid, he'll just leave his motorcycle wherever, but he can always get another one. Like the scooters. Like his town is just littered with old motorcycles. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Zach's been here. It's a couch cycle. <laughs> Patreon.com slash ifanboy. That's where you can help us out. And thanks to Graham, Dylan, Matt, and Derek for doing so. And uh, let's skip the audience questions because we're running along and go right to a brief discussion of San Diego Comic-Con, which I just came back from. Uh, we talked about it a lot on the Patreon Hangout this past week, but if you weren't a patron, my brief take is that it seems slightly less crowded, but no less crazy. And I had a good time. It was nice to see people. The big uh, I don't even remember what the big news of the show was.
0: I don't either. Because I don't think it's about comics anymore. I feel like comics figured out we're just getting steamrolled here.
1: And that was partially why it was less crazy was that the, you know, there was no Marvel movies at the show. There were, the movies and TV, they haven't really, and they're still there to a certain extent, but it's not as crazy as it has been in the past. So I just wonder if PR people have realized that there's no benefit to putting news out during Comic-Con because it gets just drowned in all the other news. I had a good time and there were some Eisner Awards, and I don't want to get into all of them, but I do want to mention that. Tom King, favorite of the show, and Mitch Gerrard's favorite of the show. Both won Eisner's. Mitch Gerrard's for Miracle Man, Tom King for his entire oeuvre. And it's rare, Josh, that you and I will say on the show, these
0: guys deserve an Eisner, and then they actually get it. On Miracle Man number one, I said you should be getting an Eisner for this. And every issue after that has, has – and I either you or – I don't know if Ron was around. I was like, oh, he's, not, he's not there yet. But I was like, this is his Eisner right here. I said that first issue, and, uh, and and I absolutely believe it. And and nothing he has done since then has done anything but add to that. You know, th- it's just one of those things that we're we're talking about. Mitch, like I I know Mitch. I've i you know when uh, I I met him a while ago. I've, I've had food with him. You know, like I like him. But that I've also seen... wrong.
1: I would never say Mitch in Miracle Man would deserve an because he's doing terrific work.
0: Y- yeah. Uh, I don't think you were talking about him. I think you were saying that whoever was voting, and it's always a crapshoot with that too. I mean, like to watch how much effort he's putting into that art, and like he always had his own thing. He's got a style, but the sort of leap that was made between Sheriff of Babylon Mm -hmm. to this is pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and this is all at the same time that like he's just had a kid. So like his first year, he's been you know raising like a kid while also doing the work of his life. And that that'll put a little fear of God in you, which sometimes help with the creative process. Well, he should be fine now going forward. He should have no yeah, problem no. getting work. Yeah, I, I agree. But it's really cool. And then you know, Tom King, you know he, he's he's proven it over and over again. To, and again, I don't understand fully why. <laughs> And I and I don't mean that's not a, that's not against Tom. It's just that it just seems so subtle and interesting.
1: Uh, I mean, I'm not surprised. He's doing the most interesting and thought-provoking work in mainstream comics right now. It's
0: uh, just it's it's like it's and it's not tricks either. It just feels very personal. I don't know that it's always personal. When I read his stories, I think he's telling me something about himself here. I don't know what it is. Well, that's the that's only reason why it feels like
1: I'm looking forward to the Heroes in Crisis. Right. On its surface, I don't think it's a good idea for a superhero story. I, only in that I don't think or we need... Or did you
0: think the Batman-Catwoman relationship was?
1: Right. Or would have? I don't think it's a good idea to introduce PTSD into these stories. I think it's a layer of realism we don't need in superhero comics. However, knowing Tom's history, that he went through it when he came back from the war, it can only be interesting. So I'm looking forward to reading it in that sense, even if I think that it's an unnecessary level of realism. Mm-hmm. But but I'm looking forward to it because you're right. The work he's doing is all very personal. Yeah. And that makes it better. But the big winners at the show were Monstrous and. Did you ever read Monstrous? My favorite thing is Monsters, which both won a ton of Eisner. I think my favorite thing is Monsters won five Eisner's. Mm. Monstrous won at least two or three.
0: I took a look at that book when it came out and I just thought, I don't really dig what that looks like.
1: It didn't interest me when I looked at it. So maybe I will again. I don't know.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that Black Bolt by Selvin Ahmed and uh, Christian Ward won Best New Series. I was all about that all the way through, so it was nice to see that, sort of get some recognition. And Hellboy won one. Yeah, but it's an Adam Hughes issue, so... <laughs> Did you read you that know. one? No, no. No, I kind of dropped off for a little bit, and, and I feel bad about that, but uh, it's a lot of stuff.
1: Monsters won a lot. At least, I'm seeing at least three of them on here. Yeah. It was a good show, I. Signed up for DC Universe at the booth, at the DC booth. I didn't get to do my annual live stream of the DC Toys because they had stupidly wrapped a signing line or passed the display case, and I couldn't get to it. But I saw them. They were cool, the new animated toys. It was a more sedate show this year. It really mm-hmm. it really felt like it, but fun. Always fun to see people. Good. I mean, San Diego is what it is. It's still worth going to. It's the crazy show. I know a couple of people went for the first time, and they all had various reactions to the show. The security seemed less psychotic this year. Pal. Uh, they would gotten progressively more psychotic. The, the only thing left would have been, you know, like cattle prods and batons, but they seemed a little more sedate this year. It's an experience. I don't miss it. I miss people.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't, I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm good.
1: Well, the thing it's is, a lot. since I'm there for work, I'm not on the flo- floor as much as we were there on the floor. Right. You know, like... When we did the show, when we were doing all the interviews, we were on the floor for 10 hours. Yeah. It's a totally different experience than than popping in and out for a couple of hours here and there.
0: It's fun to see people. Sure. Good people. Comics has the best people. I'm not even doing a joke there. They really,
1: really does. Yeah. Everyone's nice and happy and sickly. (laughs) Did you get sick? No. I was at the gym yesterday and I started sneezing on the treadmill and I was like, oh, no nothing has happened since then so knocking on my head that I don't have the con plague
0: all right well let's move along i'm yeah. glad that you had a good time and also did we're not infected i hope not you can go back in the feed, and you can listen to our booksplode that we did. That's part of the uh, Patreon rewards that were unlocked. Um, we did Planetary Book 1, which is basically the first 14 issues of Planetary, plus a couple of special issues. We went back and looked at something that we have not looked at or thought about in quite some time, and it was somewhat revelatory, I think. Yes. It was a good show. If you liked that Avengers one that we did a couple of months ago, you'll probably like this one, too. In August, we'll have a talksplode coming up. I, I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> I'll figure it out. It'll be somebody, and you'll have it by the end of August, probably. 99%. We'll figure it out. I'm going to try to get somebody interesting. They've all been interesting and in good t- conversations, so I don't expect any less.
1: Coming soon, there's going to be a Death of Superman special edition animated show. That's the next DC Universe animated film. This is Death of Superman. It's the first remake from this line. And we will be talking about it not the week it comes out on Blu-ray because... I'll be on vacation that week, but at some point in August we'll be talking about that that movie. So you can Wait, so that. they already did it? If you recall, Josh, because you were on that show, the very first movie they did was was the Death of Superman. I don't recall. Yeah, that was over ten years ago. Wow. So they're doing it again. They broke it into two parts. Death of Superman part one and part two is Reign of the Superman, so they're doing the whole the whole saga. Huh.
0: huh. Yeah. There you go. Well, you can find that stuff over at ifanboy.com. You can find all of our podcasts, the dozens and dozens of talks, explodes, and somebody asked me about the make comic shows. That's all still there. You can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy, following at ifanboy on Twitter. You can follow us individually. Uh, J.A. Flanagan is on Twitter and Instagram, and Patrick on Instagram. And if you like the show, write a review on iTunes or leave a star rating. Just click on a star rating. That will help
1: people find the show. We do appreciate that. Any podcast you listen to would appreciate that as well. And even better than that is to tell your friends, word of mouth, introduce your comic store to the podcast, or your book club, or your sewing circle, or your fight club. Any any gathering of like minded individuals. I don't know if
0: you're allowed to talk about it though.
1: I mean, talk about the podcast, just not the not the club itself.
0: Yeah. So if you did introduce to your fight club, I understand why you didn't tell us about it. We're fine with it.
1: Yeah. I just assume you're all introducing your fight clubs to it, but you're not telling us. Oh man, fight club was great this week. Oh shit So spread the word That's how people f- find podcasts a lot And people do it on, on social media all the time We do thank them for listing iFanboy amongst their favorite shows And until next time I'm Connor
0: I'm Josh And I'm talking at the right speed When a season came in
1: quiet with the rain Loving you is just like raising cane Strong and bound for glory Thousand stories, all the seas came.